and welcome to Point of Origin, episode 52. That's right, we've reached our year mark for episodes. What? Uh, the podcast where Teal'c has read the Bible, but apparently only the New Testament. I mean, honestly, it's, uh, if I had to pick... <laughs> Listen, I cannot claim to be an expert in the Bible. Not even the slightest bit. There's some things he says in this episode where I was still like, are you sure, buddy? You sure? <laughs> so I mentioned to you already, uh, this episode's gonna be trivia heavy. Uh, I might as well start it now, then. A couple of them are uh, just, you know, mistakes, <laughs> which I find <laughs> funny. <laughs> but for example, um, this society is supposedly been there for at least a thousand years, and yet they- uh, Is it the reference to David and Goliath? No, no, it's oh, okay. them using the wrong kind of English. Oh yeah, I was already doubtful about yeah, that. I yeah, was like, no, I don't know about this one, guys. Uh, and for a certain Catch-22 drowning scene, um, people who have exposure will be able to recognize the prayer, probably. Um, it's the St. Michael prayer. And I didn't know this. Uh, apparently it was, wasn't even written until 1886, which is, as you might be able to do the basic math on that, less than a thousand years. So how are they using it if they've been there for at least a thousand years? Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's that example of, like, the, I don't even remember what it's called anymore, but where, like, there's an ocean between two, uh, two cultures and they still manage to develop basically the same thing at the same time. I don't remember what it's called, but it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. No, I, uh... Not usually for, like, prayers, but, you know, maybe. Yeah, the prayer to St. Michael was composed by Pope Leo XIII in 1886. I did not know that. But that was that was a fun learn for me, but yeah, that's anachronistic as fuck, according to the IMDb trivia. Uh, the other one on that was, yeah, the, just the English thing. Yeah, the moment he said Chaucer, I was like, I don't know about the timing here, buddy. <laughs> one thing that bugged me on that note, though, speaking of mistakes, this has, has nothing to do with religion, but it has more to do with uh, Daniel's continuing to making, um, not Daniel, shit, uh, people writing the episode were making the mistakes, not Daniel, I don't know why I thought it was Daniel's mistake there. Poor Daniel. Uh, that being said, He's Daniel. Doing his best. Yeah, no, that being said, Daniel does make a mistake, and that is still the result of the writing. But the mistake that he makes, and something he should definitely know, is uh, trepanning is a real thing, don't get me wrong, but it all the evidence we have of it tends to show that the holes had time to heal over, which means people had time to, you know, heal. Which you, yeah, you, you don't do if you're that's dead. True. You, you can't heal if you're dead. Yeah, it's just a little mistake. I mean, one would think getting drilled into your skull in the medieval times of all places would probably kill you but no apparently it just and this is like actually like apparently like back in the time of like basic stone tools we've actually been doing this people oh, yeah, have had yeah. this idea for a while um, yeah and apparently it's been survivable for most of that time now i don't have any probably any, not in like an enjoyable yeah that's just gonna say <laughs> i have no data here about the quality of life after <laughs> but if you're going well, in terms great. of death or I'm not gonna, i'm gonna take I'm gonna take a wild stab in the dark here and say, probably not great. It can't have been that good. One doesn't usually uh, walk off a lobotomy. I'm pretty sure you don't just walk off a skull puncture done with a fucking, no. I don't know, chipped stone tool or whatever rusty ass piece of shit this was this guy was using oh, in this episode. God. That, that looked like, a, what is it, the, the the barrel drillers. That's exactly what it looked like. It's one of those hand cranks. I yeah. think that's what it was. Yeah, it's a hand crank. I mean, it fit with, like, the time period. It was bleh, but yeah. 
Honestly, the whole hatred towards women thing was pretty on point, too, with the time period. Yeah. Because naturally, honestly, who's the I one who gets sacrificed? It was a little muted. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm honestly kind of surprised they didn't go with that. She's a witch! The whole time. Yeah, they, they didn't Kudos. Sam at all yeah, in no, this. Kudos to Carl Binder. Good writer there. Uh, They're not going for the easy out? Yeah, I gave it, I gave it away, but yeah. He, How dare you? That's my job. I know, but he does. He, there's a reason why he comes back for so many more episodes in the future for other shows. He doesn't come back not for this one. SG1, not for SG1. Not for SG1, weirdly or not. They have seven years maybe, ahead of them, but no. Maybe they're just like. See, that's the thing. Maybe it works better in SGA and SGU because of the fact that they don't have, like, an overt. I don't know if overt's the right word, but they don't have, like, the sideways religion angle that. Stargate SG-1 was born from, you know? Yeah. yeah, that is very accurate. Maybe SGU would have, I mean, don't, here's the thing. We can't compliment SGU that much. It wasn't given time to shine or time to suck. So they didn't have, I mean, not that SG-1 sucked for it. <clears throat> I mean, excluding the Ori, that wasn't, that was, <laughs> that was not great. But that's what I'm saying. SGU also didn't have time to get down that route of potentially fucking up along a story route that, you know. Of that uh-huh. nature. Because here's the thing, even if they had done it well, it would have been tired as fuck. Because yeah. SG-1, as you have so nicely put, kinda did that. Yeah. That was the theme of Stargate SG-1. Really? Wow, I, hadn't, I, I didn't notice that at all. Huh. So shocked. Oh my gosh. Even the Ori was sort of, like it was just a different step. <laughs> no, the Ori was just... The Ori were cough, cough, minus the cough, cough. Yeah. <laughs> they were just high. Well, uh, since you've already spoiled it for me, uh, today's episode is Season 3, Episode 8, Demons, and it was written by Carl Binder and directed by Peter Deloise. Oh, yeah, and uh, and I'm Liz. Oh, right, I'm Mel. That's true, we do say our names before we talk about the title. Eh, sometimes. Only sometimes. Well, in my defense, you jumped forward first and took my job by mentioning Carl Binder. Oh yes, it's always my fault. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay, but yes, I am Mel. Um, and as Mel, I am going to read the official synopsis for this episode. As Mel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could read it as someone else, but I feel like as Mel is probably the best opportunity. SG-1 encounters a medieval civilization and frees a woman tied to a stake as a sacrifice to a demon. With the woman freed, the demon vows to destroy the village unless the SG-1 team is offered up in appeasement. No? (laughs) I mean, it's not as off as some of the others have been. It's... This is, again, the thing where I feel like they don't actually watch the episode. (laughs) They have it, like, on fast forward. There we go. So they don't see any of the dialogue. They just see some scenes zooming past their eyes really quickly, and then they make their own interpretation. Because I I think if you watch this episode without dialogue, that's what you would think happened. Okay. But if you actually watch this episode, no. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I I would not disagree with that. They just don't care. No, they don't. They I don't know if it's because their goal is to make done. shit up and it just sounds like they don't know what they're doing instead, or if it's something else. But yeah, I got nothing. I don't know, man. I certainly don't Let's have answers. Yeah. For once, I don't have answers. 
Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be very good at the uh, devil's advocate um, in this episode. <laughs> Dude, I don't even have it in me to, to try to ha- be a devil's advocate for this episode. It's not, it's not, it's nothing against the episode. It, this is just this topic that makes me deeply uncomfortable. And it's a top, oh, so there's, there's definitely a huge part of it um, in this episode that makes me deeply uncomfortable, and we'll get there. But mostly, yeah. there's just a wild disinterest for me. <laughs> kind of, yeah, that's another thing, too, is I'm just apathetic as fuck about this episode, because, I mean, here's the thing, kudos the, to the show for waiting until season three to finally uh, tackle Christianity, because I, I know it had to be a tempting target before now. Well, I mean, like we said, they've already technically tackled it, just not in, like, an explicit way. Well, yeah, so I mean, I mean, like, full on, like, hey, guess yeah, what? Yeah. The church held us back a bit. Yeah. Because, uh, like we talked about, I think, before we started recording, it's it's very interesting how much we didn't enjoy this episode. And it's not because of any, like, yeah, it's not poor of- writing or anything like that. But it's interesting how much we didn't enjoy this episode when compared to, like, the fifth commandment. Which one's it's that one the, again? It's the fifth commandment, right? Or is it the first commandment? First commandment! There we go, yeah, okay. It's the first commandment. It was wrong. That's what it was. <laughs> Yeah, no, the first commandment. How much we loved that episode, you know? Yeah. Because it wasn't first, A, taking a direct stab at it, and B, it was actually taking a step back and asking questions, you know? Yeah. Whereas this one just kind of does what what all the other uh, Stargate SG-1, here's a new culture with a new belief, but this time it's Christianity, and neither of us enjoyed that. <laughs> so, uh, we open up with Jack complaining about trees. I feel like I'm gonna switch off with Richard Dean Anderson a little bit on accident here, just because last episode I was like, oh look, another forest planet. <laughs> and then this episode he's like, hey look, another forest planet. Uh, I, I never get tired of the joke. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great, uh, especially in season three, because he's just like, oh, Yay, more trees. <laughs> and then I did it again, Mal, I wrote a note without any context. Beautiful. What's the note? Was that Sam's reaction to Jack's line or Amanda's reaction to Richard's? I don't know. I don't remember what he it says something, was. He says something that's funny in the first opening dialogue. It was probably about the trees. <laughs> he says- Oh, no, no. I know what it is, but I don't- Oh, okay, yes. I know what it is. Okay. Uh, I don't, I'm Daniel in this scene, though, because, so basically, um, so they come out the gate, they see trees, Jack complains about it, uh, they find a well-traveled path right next to the gate, and they're like, oh, you know, they must still use the gate. Um. How is it well-traveled if no one else is allowed to go there? Wait! It's well-traveled by the Unas. Yeah, but, wait, no, 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 no. Doesn't well-traveled indicate it would have to be, like, high traffic? Like, or, or at least, like, frequent traffic and the unas doesn't come that often and the canons how do you know it doesn't come often they don't say because they no they do okay they say they give indications of it in the dialogue like that he tends to come like once a year for his sacrifices i got more like once a month i got year i heard year not get year i guess i heard way too afraid of him for him only to come once a year Uh, i guess you're right but still okay okay i guess also he came to show also in this episode he came did not see anyone there. Did not seem terribly bothered by the fact that no one was at the place yet to be sacrificed. And said, I'll be back tomorrow. So even on him coming to get sacrifices, it's not like a in and out one time thing. No, yeah, here's, okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. 
Um, the year thing I do remember comes from the fact that I was remembering the guy talking about how the chick's parents were taken a year before. That's what I was remembering for the year part. That's why that's in my head. That being said, so let's say it's once a month. That's still one guy who maybe, okay, once or twice a month goes back and forth. I just don't know if that's really enough to in, to indicate well-traveled. That just seems like a weird line to me now. I'm just realizing uh, that's all. Well, this is a, li- this is a light the, thing, okay? I'm just thing. saying. Here's the thing. There's an explicit part where they talk about the canon, like, being on, like, some sort of pilgrimage. Why wouldn't it be to the gate? Well, because what I'm saying there is that the other guy even talks about how they're not even allowed to, like, look at the gate, the other people, if they're not the canon. It's... Yeah, but they're not in the canon. But I'm talking about the canon we're going I know, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm just saying, I, it just seemed like, unless they're going there a lot, it seemed like well-traveled was a weird line. It, I guess, I'm saying, it's just a small thing. I'm just saying, it just seems a little interesting now. That, was, that was all. They had so much dialogue later that seemed to indicate that they don't go to it that frequently. And even if they do, that it's not that many people that do. So that didn't indicate to me that it'd be enough to wear down a, a trail that much. I think what it was is because they were on an area of a, of a specific natural park area and they had a path <laughs> and they wanted to use it and i think they used dialogue i to mean there's also it. the fact that there being a traveled path is part of the plot of the episode yeah again the indication I, that there's a regular visitor yeah again i get that no i'm not disagreeing i'm just pointing out that I just I used to build trails as a kid. They don't get quite that big unless they're traveled a lot. And I'm just realizing that's a little too traveled from what the dialogue later kind of indicates to me. I'm not saying it's like a hella mistake or something. I was just pointing out something that was like, huh, a little huh to me. That was it. See, I just didn't get that the the dialogue indicated that. But I like I genuinely at first was just thinking, yeah, it's just the Unas coming back and forth or whatever. Yeah, it just um, seemed like a lot of travel but... then. When you brought that up, I was like, well, they also talk about the canon leaving out of pilgrimage. Where the fuck else would he go except to the gate? Well, and I mean, any number of places. Him, it was him and a whole retinue. Yeah, that's, why, that's why I'm thinking they go to somewhere else, because usually those pilgrimages are to a different place. Kind of like a uh, off-site church of, of places, or a monastery, or like an abbey, or some place that has religious significance besides just the portal of darkness. The thing is, he has a fucking gold ring, so like, he might act like he's like, you know... A god worshiping man, but I feel like his pilgrimage is to the gate. Yeah, but to do what? To make sure it's clear and everything so that this dickhead can come through and help maintain his power. Yeah, I guess. I just. I, 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 I'm not saying that what you're saying is not like rational. I'm not even saying it doesn't make sense or anything. I, yeah. It all does. I just don't really. S- I'm still kind of like on the I fence. Think it comes- I think it comes down to the fact that this episode doesn't clearly define a lot of things. Yeah, and I'm just, yeah, I'm just mildly, I'm just literally mildly on the, on the fence about it. That's about it. But yeah, so this is actually, uh, after that <laughs> ten minute diversion, this is what your note is in reference to. So Daniel says, like, oh, someone must, you know, travel here regularly. And then Jack goes, or something, and does, like, I, I think it's, I don't know... It's some fucking old reference, but he does, like, a pinky up to the corner of his mouth. That's the line, yep. That's the line, and I don't know what Daniel- I don't, I don't know what Sam's face was in reaction to that, because I was just really invested in Daniel's, because Daniel looked wildly confused, and that was of me. He of course he doesn't get it. I just love Sam's reaction. Or Amanda's. I wasn't sure if it was a, a line, a scripted <laughs> line, or a, uh, 
spontaneous thing. Either yeah. way, it was funny as fuck. I loved the re- I loved loved the look on Sam's face. It was hysterical. Her reaction. Uh, Judging by other Jack dial- dialogue in this episode, I'd believe it was written. I'm here for it. It's great. Either way, I'm happy. Yeah, I was I was just very Daniel in that moment because I was also like, yes, yeah, same Daniel. I don't know what it's a reference to either. <laughs> Like, I know it's something, like, I think it's, like, spiralated or something, but I don't know. Doctor, no. <laughs> oh, is it? Okay. I I am very proud of the fact that I don't watch James Bond already. <laughs> uh, you know Austin Powers? Uh, I'm aware of it. Uh, well, the bad guy's a parody of that. He does the pinky thing. Okay. That's it. <laughs> See, that's the thing, because, like, I, I'm actually more aware of the bad guy from uh, Austin Powers doing the pinky thing than it from James Bond. I was like, I don't think Jack's making an Austin Powers reference. That seems weird. <laughs> I didn't know the Peaky thing was originally a Doctor No thing. Okay, that makes a little bit more sense. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Doctor Evil's based on Doctor No. I say this having almost no knowledge of James Bond and oh no zero no no, no. Doctor Evil's Powers. definitely based off Doctor No. I just don't know if the Pinky thing necessarily here is based on Doctor No as well. Well, I would hope so, because otherwise it means that Jack's making an Austin Powers reference, and I don't know how to feel about or that. Or something else does the pinky thing, too, and then I just don't know it. <laughs> this is not the reference for us to comment on, clearly. Yep. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they they follow the path, and they find um, like an old medieval-y looking place with a castle church sort of set up. Medieval-y looking place. <laughs> it's a fair ass- assessment. <laughs> No, 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 I'm not, I'm not, yeah, no. yeah, I just yeah. like how you can accurately describe something as medievally. Medievally. And Teal'c of all people points out that they're probably Christian. That's a great tongue-in-cheek moment. It is, yeah. Um, and Daniel decides that if it's Christian, they must have been taken from the Antarctica Gate instead of the Egyptian Gate. It seems like a stretch. It's more reasonable than... Christians being taken from Egypt. Let me rephrase this. Let me rephrase this. Um, the only, okay, the only stretch here that always bugs me, and I mean always here for once, actually, instead of me just accidentally saying always, um, (laughs) this has bugged me since they brought up the, the gate the first time when I was a kid. Yeah. Where I, I always struggle with the math. I'm not saying it's not there. I'm just saying I struggle with the math because they buried the gate in Egypt at a certain time. And I'm pretty sure that time was way before a thousand years ago. Right? Like 10,000 years yeah, ago. Yeah, okay, okay. So even if my math is, like, a little off, even if my margin for error is pretty dang big, I struggle with how the fuck there was an operational gate still on the uh, planet in the North Pole for that long with well, only minimal effect. No, the math doesn't work. Yeah, and I just, this this continuity shit, it doesn't bug me. It doesn't make me, like, angry or upset or, like, God, what the fuck. It just makes me hella, it just, it just makes me, I just, I don't even get confused because I just break. That's how off the math is for me. And I feel like I'm just, I always feel like I'm missing a big chunk of dialogue or something. But years ago and in the years since, I've never really been able to connect those dots here or online. <laughs> here in my own head or online. So, yeah, it's... It's, it's episodes like this that make me go, wait, what? Wait, what? And I'm like counting on my fingers, desperately attempting to make this work. I'm like a dude whose chick just found out that she hasn't had her period yet. You know, the problem here is the fact that their original source of mythology for this show 
was ancient Egypt. Yeah. Which is one of the oldest civilizations. Right. And when they try to bring Christianity into the storyline, the math is just not going to work. Just straight up. It's not going to work. You're not wrong. So, uh, that's, that's, they just kind of shoot themselves in the, like, they can do, like, the Christianity thing when they're doing it in, like, the, the First Amendment, where it's, you know, someone from Stargate, uh, Command who's, you know, pulling this shit. Or in, um, uh, Gamekeeper, when it's all allegory, and it's not actually meant to directly be, like, this person is pretending to be this thing, it just happens to also portray that for the viewers at home who are familiar with, like, these concepts, you know? Right. But when you decide to explicitly have God and Satan as, as, uh, characters in, in a world, then it becomes an issue because of the fact that we've been working with ancient Egypt and... Honestly, they they nodded once in ancient Mesopotamia. They should really look more at ancient Mesopotamia than they ever do. But, like, and I think that's the biggest problem is that, like, you know, you started with something much older. You can't, like, suddenly go to Christianity. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, it just, it just, it just, it just doesn't. Uh, cool idea. It just stands out too much. No, you're not wrong. That's something I can absolutely agree with you there. Um... But this is the part where my joke comes from, because uh, Teal has read the Bible, and he talks about how um, he can't think of any gold system lords that are, uh, that would be able to pretend to be, like, kind and benevolent enough to pose as the Christianity god. It's like, have you met the Christianity god? And that's where I was like, ah, so Teal has only read the New Testament. <laughs> like, I don't know about you, man, but... <laughs> But then there's a, a good moment where I am Jack instead. I was Daniel earlier when Jack was making a James Bond reference, but now I am Jack, where he's like, oh, you read the Bible? And Tilk's like, yes, you have. And he's like, I've, I've been listening to it on tape. Don't tell me how it ends. <laughs> for, for the listeners, Liz is just looking down and sh- slowly shaking her head. <laughs> Jack. Just, yep, yeah, that's, that's just my reaction to Jack a lot. <laughs> So, uh, they walk into town, and people run away in fear. I don't know why they didn't think this was going to be a thing as soon as they saw a medieval town and realized Christianity. That should have been an immediate suspicion, but whatever. Jack finds a sign written in Middle English. Uh, and I was already doubtful, and then you told me that. They were like, yeah, that's not right. And I'm like, cool, I was right. I don't pretend to know a lot about, like, the older languages, like, timing-wise or whatever. I love uh, linguistics and especially, like, the old stuff, but I haven't, like, researched it. But even then, when they said that, I was like, I'm not sure about the timeline here, guys. Wrong. Timeline's wrong. There we go. But yeah, so they, uh, Daniel translates it and says that it's basically a take on a Catholic prayer. They find an unconscious woman handcuffed to a pole in the center of town. Dude, it took me the majority of this episode to finally place this chick. <laughs> I finally gave in and just looked it up. And then as soon as I saw her name, I went, God damn it, yeah, of course. Uh, she's in pretty much everything sci-fi. Uh, I mean, amongst other things, alphas. She was good in that. She's like, Seriously, name a sci-fi show. She's probably been in it. What's your name? Laura Manel. 
or Minel. Minel. I always said Minel. She's awesome. I like her. But she always um, picks shows that don't last. Aw. Well, Stargate lasts, but she's only a bit Let me rephrase. Shows that she's a better, um, higher rank tier whatever casting. <laughs> Those ones. So, so yeah, they find her handcuffed to the center of uh, town. And of course they just lock up an entire... <laughs> fucking hesitation gotta love these meddlers yeah they uh this yeah yeah they're gonna get shot one of these days oh yeah and a man comes out asking them to spare her and he thinks they're demons that came through the circle to take her as a sacrifice um and he says that he capital he um comes through the gate to take sacrifices and takes many shapes uh, Teal just shoots her chains with the staff, and she runs inside. Jack convinces the man they don't want any sacrifice, and that she's not possessed, just sick, and that they can help. Um, so they go inside. They, they convince this man, Simon, to let them inside his his uh, house. And Jack... <laughs> I love that like Sam's the one checking on her, but Jack's the one going, It's chicken pox. She's fine. <laughs> yeah. Also, I like, okay, so I'm just gonna point out, I think it's a little weird that they went with chickenpox, considering how contagious chickenpox is. Yeah! Okay, you you had that thought, I had the thought, I was like, isn't it more dangerous when an adult gets chickenpox Oh, it is. A, kid? a thousand times more. That, hence why parents, to this day, practice this incredibly ill-advised oh, uh, practice of of, of purposely infecting their own children with chicken pox rather than, I mean, in this day and age, rather than vaccinate them. Um, back then, it was the idea that it was better to you know, have them get sick as kids than as adults. And it's like, yeah, cool, awesome, great. <laughs> I'm still bitter about yeah, it to this day because I got vaccinated. The natural way. Yeah, well, here's the thing. I, 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 I was born in 1993, which means I was exactly, I was born in exactly the right year to actually get one of the very first waves of the chicken pox vaccine. Which means the majority of my friends who happened to be younger than me, um, at least a couple of them were significantly younger than me, as in like a year or so, their parents didn't bother to get them vaccinated and instead went with the, the pus-swapping route. Ew. And Ew. I'm still bitter about this to this day, not just because there's people still doing this, but because I, I had a friend who apparently ended up in the hospital from blood poisoning because of it, because, you know, children can't control themselves and will scratch at stuff regardless of whether or not they're supposed to, and sometimes we'll get blood poisoning from it. But yeah, all of this is just a very long-winded, angry way of saying chicken pox is highly fucking contagious and pretty goddamn deadly, and the best part about it is if you get it, you um, also will later in life most likely get something called shingles, too. It's a latent something or other that comes about as a result of the virus because it doesn't go away once you get it. So, yay! Yay. In other words, Mary here has a fun older life waiting for her if she doesn't get sacrificed next time. Uh, but yeah, so so he's like, yeah, it's, it's chicken pox. She's fine. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, he's not a doctor. I know it can cause infertility in men when they're adults. I, I, I'm, I'm going with the assumption it can still cause infertility in chicks, too, so. I mean, in that setting, she probably shouldn't look forward to having kids. Yeah, I mean... I wasn't gonna say it. <laughs> yeah, I'll say it for us. Uh, but um, I, Jack's old school enough that he, I I buy that he'd be one of those people who's like, it's just chicken pox. They'll scratch for a few days and be fine, you know. 
People who say that are the ones who didn't have any problems. It's great. Yeah, but I I, I buy that Jack would. <laughs> I think I I think it's believable that out of all of them, Jack's the one shrugging off. Yeah, no, it's it, here's the thing. People still shrug it off today. People shrug off the measles. I mean, people yeah. are dumb. <laughs> it's just a fact. But Jack says like, yeah, it'll be she'll be fine in a couple of days, and he's like, we don't have a couple of days. Uh, if if uh, if the sacrifice time comes up and she's still showing like the the spots on her then she's going to have to be tri- she's going to have to undergo the trepanning ritual and from a from the back of the room Daniel's like oh <laughs> and Jack's like why what 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 and he's like um why is this problematic <laughs> he's like that that's where they drill into your your oh. <laughs> 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 to bleep that that's why i'm laughing so hard <laughs> but yeah so uh he explains trepanning to them and everyone's kind of like oh well that's not great no it, um, it's here's the thing just because it could be survived doesn't mean it's not still barbaric as fuck oh yeah yeah absolutely um so at that point we get in a warning alarm throughout the town and shouts that the demon comes and surprise surprise it's an unas <laughs> There is a great bit here where, like, Jack's like, I, I thought we killed the guy. Jill's like, Unas is a species, not a man. <laughs> yeah, Jack, did you think there was only one snake? I mean, like, <laughs> what <laughs> logic really is that? I that. <laughs> that he's only ever seen one, so. And to be fair, I think the way they post, the thing is, I, it, it's been a while, but I think in Thor's chariot, the way they, like, talked about the Unas... Um, or Thor's Hammer, actually, sorry, Thor's Chariot. Thor's Hammer. In Thor's Hammer, the way they talked about the Unas, they did kind of talk about him like the, you know? Yeah, I know, and it was all James Earl Jonesy and everything, but I'm still kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think, I, I liked it, because like, yeah, they, they've only spoken about Unas as the before, so like, Jack wouldn't, you know, it's kind of silly to be like, yeah, there's only one of these things, but like... But Meh. he's only seen the one, and he's only heard it as the, so, like, sure, why not, buddy? <laughs> I just like to be like, there are more of these things! I'm just reminded of this time where I, um, came across one of my cats when I was a kid, and he was hiding in a fern from me. And he was hiding really well, you know, because his head was firmly buried under the, the fronds of the fern. His whole fucking ass and body were hanging out <laughs> for the eye in the world to see, but, you know, his head was, was hidden. And, you know, he couldn't see me. So you can't see him. Exactly. And I get that same kind of feel from Jack sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. About about things happening in the world. I see one Unas, there be one Unas. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, the Unas stalks around town and says that Satan, and it looks like so far, <laughs> wants five sacrifices. Five seems like a lot, especially if they're yeah, doing right? this every month. I, again, not disagreeing, but if they're doing this every month, then that's a lot of people. Yeah, I don't, maybe not every month. I don't know. If they're doing this regularly, seems like it would and, make sense. Yeah, to me instead I of yearly. No, the only reason why I'm bringing it up is because if this is medieval, you know, times, and I mean this as in like they're not that many people, right? right? <laughs> Level of technology, especially 
you get a no, cold, you die. So okay, so it's uh, obviously it's unspoken because again, there's definitely a weakness in this episode where they don't like do a clear job of explaining mechanics of some things in this episode. Mm-hmm. But the fact that she was tied up to that pole before SG One came in. Maybe that was technically the day of sacrifice, and they only needed one. Right, and then because but there wasn't the fact anyone that she there, they get tied five there, as a result. He, he upped yeah. the. That would make sense. Yeah, no, I, I got you. I did get that feel as well until the because I kept waiting for the dialogue to like say that, and then but they it don't did say it. it. Yeah, that's so the then problem. I dropped that feel, but I did get it at first too. So I see where you're going with that. Yeah, yeah, I think it is that the, I think, like I said, I think the weakness of this episode is the fact that he doesn't do a good job of explaining the Yeah, so it's got some structural drug. defects, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, so Daniel points out for the audience at home, in case they couldn't have figured it out by now, uh, that the gold here isn't playing God, he's playing Satan. That should have been your first guess. <laughs> Before you got into town, you should have thought Satan, especially since when Sokara was brought up originally, you compared him to Satan. Yeah, the uh, dialogue in this episode is not his strength. Uh, so Jack tries to explain that the Unas is not a demon, and Daniel does not help. <laughs> Daniel does not help. <laughs> like he's like he's not he's not a demon. He's you know he's killable. Blah blah blah. And Daniel's like yeah, but he's got super regeneration and super strength and super strength. <laughs> like he just keeps muttering behind Jack's back. Like, all but refuting what Jack is saying. Just, he's not helping. Jack's, Daniel's not helping right now. And, uh, Simon decides that they were sent by God to help. And they talk about killing the Unas, and literally no one is being helpful to Jack at this point. <laughs> this is the episode where Say Jack's like, here's an idea. And everyone says why that idea won't work, and does not give him a backup idea. <laughs> Sam finally throws him a bone because they're like, yeah, well, but they, he could just send more. And he's like, well, then they bury the gate when we leave. And like, they could bring ships here. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> and at this point, Sam's like, you know, judging from where this place is in the galaxy, you know, the universe, galaxy, whatever, it would take several years uh, for anyone to travel here by ship. I have heard these words before, Sam. Yeah, right? It's like, I don't. <laughs> Yeah, also, she doesn't know where every gold stronghold is. Right, because you knew where Hathor was. <laughs> I feel like she was just, like, she could see that Jack was getting annoyed that nobody was saying anything helpful, so she was trying to give something helpful. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... <laughs> this man... Uh, the cannon returns to town from his pilgrimage at this point, and um, he's here to choose who will be sacrificed. And this man has some goddamn balls on him. The way he just walks straight up to Teal'c and stares him straight in the eyes. So a priest? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah, he's, oh god. Yeah, it's not, it's not really about him having balls. It's about him uh, having way too much power and being really He's a sanctimonious prick. Yes, he is. Oh, this actor is... Doing a phenomenal job the entire I have a, fucking episode. I have a similar note where I'm like, dude, man, way to go for making this character role, char- charitable, character, character 
completely detestable, but you can leave now because you're doing too good of a job. I need you to... Yeah, there's even a part later on when, like, Simon's confronting him near the end where he's, like, eating as he's talking to him and it's just got that extra level of slime ball to it. It, it felt kind of Denethor and I like it. Yeah, this man is just... Oh, God. I hope he has a good career. <laughs> I know a lot of times people who do, like, bit parts on sci-fi do not, but this man deserves it. <laughs> right? Right? This man did a phenomenal job. Even later on when there's a big about turn, he's doing some good subtle acting at the end. And we'll get there. But, uh, it's definitely one of those characters where it's like, God, I fucking hate you, but I have to respect the actor for making me hate this man as much as I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> no. Um, but... Uh-huh. This is where I have in my notes where I'm like, I love that Stargate doesn't give a damn about the Prime Directive. Because <laughs> Jack just stands in the town and tells everyone everything about them. He's like, look, it's not a demon. It's not Satan. They are these, these are just ugly creatures who can, you know, <laughs> he's just like explaining the goal. He's shouting it. He doesn't care. Prime Directive? Who's that? <laughs> I don't know her. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I just, I just love that he's just like, I, I don't care about any of that. <laughs> and it's interesting because I feel like at this point, Daniel's also given up on that stance. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I'm always the first one to bring up Prime Director, but the fact is, it's always a gray area. And I'm not, I'm not comfortable either just standing back and letting someone get tortured or something. You know, like, there's this famous, I, I say famous very, uh, tentatively, but there's a story I heard about that supposedly was famous of... A uh, photographer in like Vietnam or something who there was a whole group of them and there was um, a baby like on the ground covered in filth like starving to death and it was apparently crying and dying and everybody with all their professional integrity was just taking pictures Ugh. except for this one guy who was lambasted apparently according to the story i heard again this is all very hearsay but according to that he was uh, he put down the camera and picked up the fucking baby to try to save it and apparently instead of being you know lauded for it it was kind of the opposite because he broke all the professional ethics of photography and i'm sitting here going like okay uh, i think you mean the professional standards of sociopathy and i mean that, that isn't a killer instinct i don't know what is jeez yeah, that's that sucks. <laughs> so yeah, like I would not be able to do well in those kinds of professions, and I wouldn't do well as an executor of the Prime Directive in all instances. You know, it's one moment, it's one thing when you're you know protecting the rights of people, but it's a lot easier to say stuff than it is to stand there and have to bear witness to somebody torturing a young woman right in front of you. Yeah, I just uh, like in the past, Daniel's been the one to like stand more on the idea of Prime Directive, although he's doing it because of, like, the anthropology side of things. Mm -hmm. um, but this time, nope. <laughs> he's all for yeah. it. No, he was fine with rape and broke a divide, but he draws the line at dr uh, skull drilling. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Listen, that wasn't a great look for him in broke a divide, but it was season one. They were figuring things out. That should be something you have to figure out. <laughs> I don't disagree with you. No, I'm mad at the writers. I'm just like glaring no, yeah, at I'm, them. No, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, that's, that's why I'm saying they were figuring things out. And unfortunately that was, listen, season one also had the episode that we shall not name. That should so just like, be obvious to people in general. You don't need to write this into a character ever that they're chill with rape. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. 
Call it anthropology all you want. That's still disgusting. So, uh, <laughs> oh, here's, so yeah, he, he lays out all, all the facts, and here's where I'm like, my next note says, why Jack thinks the man in charge would even want them to be rid of the town of fear is wildly naive. I think this guy, one of the kudos I'm going to give to the writing here is I think this guy is actually well done in that he's not just like a scathing indictment of priests and, and uh, you know, power gone mad. Like, I'm thinking yeah. more like the era of Martin Luther, you know, the indulgences mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking more like the corruption period. Not that that's not oh, yeah. still a thing. I'm just thinking about it when it was at its peak and it was also still pre-social media. Um, <laughs> but... You know, printing press was the first social media. <laughs> and yeah. this is around that time. But where I'm going with that is, originally, I'm sure there were plenty of people who, you know, ended up in places of, you know, positions of power that went into this for the right reason. For example, I'm sure there were plenty of people who became priests in these time periods because church was good for community gathering. It wasn't just about, you know, banishing demons, you know. There was actually a lot more to it than that. (laughs) And one of the really important things about it was that it brought everyone together once a week in a place Mm. and time when that wasn't something that was... Maybe you saw people on market. Maybe. That That was it. You know, you had farms and livelihoods and your home and your two children that lived through childhood and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. You had shit to do. Mm-hmm. And this was the one day a week that you got a bit of a break and you as a community were led by this one person. It was a whole thing. I don't have to explain this. Do you don't know why I'm going into this much detail? Sorry. I do that sometimes. My bad. Anyway, the point I'm coming to here is that maybe this guy went into this to actually protect his people. Like, like it wasn't the job that he necessarily wanted because of like what it would give him necessarily. It was... Somebody has to do this to protect all of us. And then, of course, naturally, it just went immediately downhill from there, (laughs) as it tends to, you know, because Mm -hmm. absolute power being what it is. You give a guy a stun gun in the form of a pretty ring and put him at the, you know, head of the fucking village, which in this place is a big highfalutin deal. Yeah. Yeah, I could could see that the, the writing was there, though, that he came from oh, a yeah. place and I can see it yeah, coming not, through here in this scene. Sorry, a bit long winded, but yeah. dimensional character. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. I but think they actually the did a pretty good job with some del- with that with actually developing him a little bit, which dude, yeah, it's yeah. impressive enough to see that in a movie. It's damn well impressive to see that for a one time <laughs> character in a forty four minute episode. Minute episode. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I, I definitely think, you know, at least half of that can also be attributed to the actor Hell with yeah. the subtleties and everything. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's wildly naive of Jack to look at this man who stood in front of Teal'c and stared him down and think, he'll be cool losing some power. Oh, I know, because people have always responded well to that, you know, yeah, yeah, because despots love to lose standing. Because people who enjoy the high life love to give it up. And it's not like, you know, it's not like his power is, is born from fear or anything. Right. Yeah, so surprise, uh, this man doesn't uh, uh, take Jack's offer. Next thing you'll, you'll be telling me is that women need to learn how to read. <laughs> Instead, he uh, has this little gold ring that he touches and activates, and it looks like it um, does like a summons a storm and lightning shocks him from the sky. But Teal, not Teal, um, not Teal, but one of them, Sam probably compares it more to a zap blast thought it was daniel i think but now i can't remember maybe daniel i don't remember it was one of them compares it more to a zap blast which means probably 
there is some hidden technology in the sky that is basically just like a, you know, a satellite. A planetary defense system of yeah. some sort. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. We've, we've seen them before. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm by it. I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I have no questions about this. Right? Yeah, just some sort of leftover system. With the planet shield against the sun. I'm fine with this. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, this is like, this is sci-fi 101. Yep. Push a button. And the magic sky goes zap zap. I've yeah. never questioned this in sci-fi. Yeah, no, no. I actually appreciated that they pointed out that it's because they're like, did we just get hit by lightning? And they're like, actually, it was more like a zap blast. Like, I like that actually just a little bit of grounding. Yep. Like, he didn't actually summon a storm. He just, there's gold technology that makes it look like he summoned a storm. There you go. There's something very pointed in the fact that a human member of this town was given gold technology used to instill fear. Like, Sokar knows what he's doing. Sokar knows what he's doing. Sorry. I'm just laughing because I think more than ever, every week I'm reminded that SGA caught me at a good time age-wise. Because I just didn't have as much of... I, I just... I just took everything so much more, just easily. That's a sentence out loud, but yeah. I just, I didn't question it. Sorry, the reason why I bring this up, saying, um, the reason why I'm saying this is this episode is almost, in, it, this episode's ripped off hard again for an episode <laughs> of SGA. Very similar thing. Uh, medieval castle type thing steals, not steals, uh, operates ancient technology and uses it to keep off the wraith, and of course uses that also to subjugate the, the serfs and all that yeah. shit. And it's just like, I'm just every time I'm watching every time every time I'm thinking about it now I just can't help but think about how much better SG One does it and it's like <laughs> it's just not just because it's like a you know done again you know for the second time round but it's mostly just because they do it so much cheesier in SGA mm. I guess I'm just starting to get a little bit of trepidation <laughs> because I liked SGA and I'm kind of scared that I'm not going to anymore. <laughs> well, we'll get to it someday. I don't know. It's just like. This was this is not a bad storyline and it really isn't well Listen, done we're in comparison in on SGA. Yeah. Of SG one. We're gonna get to SGA sooner than later. I'm just hoping that we remember this when we're watching that episode someday because geez, the uh And do a comparison. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just not it's not gonna be a flattering comparison, I'll tell you that. Wonder if uh Carl Binder? I don't know. I, I'm hoping he not. Wrote that episode too. I'm hoping not, because that means he watered down his own shit and I don't like it. Anyway, yeah, anyway. But yeah, so uh, he summons fake lightning and fake knocks lightning. them all out with really bad CGI. I feel like lightning is one of the few things it's uh, not really fake, because like, I feel like electricity is just electricity. Now here's the thing. The lightning strike itself looked fine. It was the little shock wave that oh, happened yeah, afterwards. Yeah, that that looked thing. bad as yeah, hell. Yeah, no, that was, that, was, that was crap. It also didn't help that they like fell down in slow motion. Oh no, that that, that was a that was a poor choice in effect. I mean, yeah, I agree with that one. That was a poor choice in effect. Stop leaning away from the mic. <laughs> Habit. Um, but yeah, so they all wake up in a cage. Well, when I say all, I mean the humans all wake up in a cage. Um, and God, Jack is so over it. <laughs> Actually, okay, Peter Deloise has a great opening shot where it's like sideways, where you just it's. Because it's like you're seeing from Sam's eyes as she's waking up, and so she's on her side, and she wake you know wakes up and on her side sees Jack with like a little piece of straw in his mouth, just like so fed up. <laughs> Dude, if this is medieval levels of 
standard of hygiene, cleanliness. I, you, I, you couldn't pay me to have that shit in my mouth, man. Look, no. cute idea no. for the shot, but that just brings yeah. to mind so much. Ugh. You're not wrong. Um, but yeah, so the feces alone. <laughs> yeah, that was my first thought. Uh, despite letting SG-1 into the town and into his home, Simon's apparently allowed to just walk up to the gate, to the cage, and talk to them. <laughs> yeah, I, I like how they keep, like, saying he's in trouble and then, like, just nothing happens the rest of the episode. The whole episode is just, just an exercise. To roaming around yeah. town. This episode is an exercise in all bark, no bite. <laughs> yes, it's so wild. I have to wonder if he's actually got some, like... Hidden leverage? Ancestry that, like, just makes him a little bit too important to just strike down. I'm here for it. It'd be nice if we got something for it, but, you know... <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. I don't know. Yeah, he's he's given way too much uh, spare rope. Or, like, the cannon's afraid to actually punish him because he knows he's a beloved community figure or some shit. Yeah, something. But I'd like to actually see that instead of just being like, why is this guy a let... <laughs> let- to do so many things, yeah. you know? Uh, but yeah, so... Here's here's where my biggest issue with this whole episode is. Where the one black guy on the team is Uh-oh. the one being tied up and tortured. Yeah, this is a rough fucking sake. scene to watch. Oh boy. <sighs> yeah. I was not here for any of this. Yeah, I'm not... Yep, nope, I'm not... Yep, I'm not... Nope. <laughs> yep. It's like, listen, I get why mechanically this happened because he has the fucking gold mark on his forehead but 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 but, but. think about the optics here (laughs) because it doesn't look great what you mean the lynch mob didn't look good no no it didn't (sighs) yeah so they bring him out and they clearly beat him up because his face is all fucked up um and they tie him to a stake and Daniel is the narrator for the people watching at home to explain all of the tests of witchcraft um, to us. And the first thing is, he says, it's the first test is the mark of the devil. And it's like a mark on your body that is immune to pain. And a very obvious option for what the mark of the devil would be is his forehead um, tattoo. And uh, it's sure is handy that they noticed the big gold thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, they made a point of that before. That's why he got. That's why he was the one grabbed. No, I, I meant that. It just, it just is very convenient for these tests that the big thing, the devil's mark, happens to be made out of very obviously metal. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Because shock, it doesn't seem to hurt him at all. Weird. The piece of metal well, embedded in his skin doesn't seem to hurt. Well, even anymore. outside of the fact that it's metal, it's like. The way he explained how it was done probably killed the nerves up there to be Exactly, with. yeah. It's like even, uh, that's the thing. It's like sometimes, it depends on the thing. Because I've heard that uh, burned skin can hurt even more if it gets burned yeah. a second time around, which indicates obviously that the nerves are just more exposed than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, I do know that once they're actually dead dead, like fried for, for, for sure dead yeah, exactly. or severed or some shit dead, that's a different story. Um, I would assume having molten gold poured onto it would deaden at least a few of them. Yeah. So one would think that even here's the thing, it was also just a piece of burning like wood it looked like, just a firebrand at yeah, best. Yeah, it didn't look like wood, so, so it wasn't even that hot. Yeah, exactly. It can't have really gone that hot as in in terms of I mean, they metal. probably made it not be that hot on purpose. Because here's a little uh here's a little spoiler for anybody listening at home who 
didn't know this already, the tests for witchcraft were rigged from the beginning. <laughs> what? No. Yeah, the things that mostly targeted women. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, so uh, I, I believe that it, they just didn't bother to get to stick that out to begin with. The three biggest fan favorites of the church, of the Catholic church specifically, and a few other churches actually, I should mention, are uh, women, gypsies, and gays. Yep, sounds about right. Sexism, racism, bigotry. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. The good old classics. Hey, hasn't changed any today, has it? <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> If only that was alcohol. <laughs> Same thought. <laughs> just, ah. Uh, <laughs> where's some vodka when you need it? Dude, I was just thinking earlier about the fact, I'm like, man, if this wasn't the fact that we were recording as soon as I wake up, I could be drinking for both of my recordings today. I'm just imagining, like, you recording a Pokemon episode after, like, a really bad SG-1 episode, and then, like, you're like, so what you don't understand about Flareon is... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, because they're pushing hot wood onto already dead nerve skin that also has metal in it, Tilk doesn't react. Uh, so, you know. <laughs> I also love <laughs> that they exit this scene with a side shot profile of Tilk, and oh boy, is the side of that sticker sticking out really badly. <laughs> yeah, I think they're trying to show just how much gold is really there. But yeah. But they didn't tamp down on it that well. Yeah, I guess I've always just kind of questioned myself how much of the gold sits on top versus how much, like, oh. sunk in. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I, no, I also don't want to think about it too much because, you know, yuck. Here's the thing. It was definitely a failure of makeup because in literally the next scene, we see his uh, seal nice and, like, tight to his skin. Well, like, even you on the sides. So it was, it was just a failure of the makeup. We've seen it a million yeah, times Yeah, no, that thing before, was always falling they, like, off. Yeah, but because they lingered in a side profile and they'd already, you know, pulled attention to his his tattoo, it was rough. <laughs> I get it, though. Like, it's a curved surface. He's sweating. I, I get it. Yeah, it's rough. That's the thing. Is they should have thought of something else that should have been able to hold itself down better for yeah. the long term. Just because, like, most of the time, like, Star Trek, for example, like they had to do lots of that kind of same stuff, you know, lots of prosthetics oh, on the so skin. so much with prosthetics. But it was yeah. always big shit that, like, was not just one little tiny thing on the skin. Yeah. It was always a big skull cap type shit. Yeah, the issue Or on the side like of the head. Nothing in the big... Sticker. Nothing yeah. right smack dab in the middle of the oily T-zone of the face. Yeah, that's the rough op option there. I don't think they thought... I think... You know how, like, pilots are rough in general? Yeah, there you go. I don't think they thought ahead in the pilot, and then they were stuck. Yeah, cool idea. Bad logistics. I think there's a reason that, like, later on we see people with, like, those symbols, but it's, like, drawn on instead. Somebody immediately (laughs) realized how annoying that was gonna be. Yeah. Yeah, so, of course, the next test is the fucking water test. The one that makes me... Uh, my I said my notes here say water test next. Still some mad bullshit. <laughs> the water test for witchcraft is something that has made me furious for at least a decade, probably closer to two decades. I've been mad about the water test for witchcraft since I was a child. The complete hatred towards people demonstrated by it's the water just... test makes me very sick and sad inside. Oh, yeah, because, like, uh, like they, they point out, like, the SG... Because, again, SG-1, Daniel specifically, are, like, explaining to the audience at home if they don't know about this test what it is. And basically the fact that, like, 
you know, you tie a, a rock to, to someone and you toss them tied up into the water. And if they sink, they're innocent and their soul is saved, but they're fucking dead. Uh, and if they float and they live, well, then they're evil and damned. And then they're going to be taken out and they're like, you know, killed at the stake or whatever, you know? <laughs> and like, they even point out in this, you know, when Dan is explaining this, they're like, yeah, it's a fucking catch 22. It's like, yeah, it's bullshit. It's, it's arranged to be that way. It is a trap. The test is a trap. And it's, and it's made me furious for decades now. <laughs> I was that kid who was mad about <laughs> witchcraft history. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Teal gets thrown in and doesn't come back up. And SG-1 are rightfully mad and upset. And we see later on, we're back at the town, and Teal has been fished out and is laid on like a... a surface and is being prayed over and everything. The canon tells them they can go home if they never come back. And Jax rightfully points out, yeah, because you know if I came back, I'd kill you. break your neck. <laughs> it's a good choice there, because uh, otherwise you'd be dead. Yeah. I also, you know, I think this part here also kind of um, correlates with our idea that maybe Simon is like beloved in the town in some way. Because we find out in a little bit that Simon's the one who asks them to be sent home safely. Right. So he's got to have some sort of societal pull. He has power, obviously, but he's got to have some sort of societal pull here. Yeah, there has to be something at play that we're just not seeing for some reason. Yeah. But yeah, so SG-1 accuses him of using the ring to maintain power in the town, and he claims it's a necessary sacrifice. Uh Uh-huh. And then he walks off and leaves him. So this is where Simon comes up and says that he asked him to be sent home. And um, and for some reason, this like, guy said, said yes. Yeah, for some reason. And they're like, well, you know, can you give us our gear? And he's like, if I give you my gear, will you help us? <laughs> and they're like, uh, we tried once already. And, you know, one of our team's dead now because of it, buddy. Yeah, it's like, I'd love to, but fuck you. Yeah. Um, so he says that Mary's about to get the trepanning, and (laughs) so this is where Daniel apparently decides to take over for, uh, so, like, this whole episode, Jack's been the one, like, we gotta help these people, pushing it forward, pushing it forward. Like, there's a whole part where he's like, we gotta do this, and everyone's like, this is why it won't work, and he's like, okay, give me something helpful. (laughs) And now, at this point, Jack is mad, so he's done wanting to help, but Daniel still wants to help. Because uh, he's apparently righteously against trepanning. And uh, so he's he asks Jack to he- let them help and points out that Teal died for nothing if they don't help anyone. And then when Jack is still like resistant and everything, he's like, fine, go back. I'll, I'll take care of myself. <laughs> you know, like, fine. Fine. I'll just stay here and keep them from doing this thing. Fuck you. Yeah. Uh, so... They offer to take Simon and Mary back with them um, after they stop the trepanning and everything. Because Daniel runs off and, of course, SG-1 follows after him. <laughs> like, we can't let our, our boy go off alone. <laughs> but yeah, so they stop the trepanning and they're like, look, you guys can come through with us. Like, at least you guys are semi-reasonable people. <laughs> we'll give you asylum, you know? Yep. And we cut to Teal being covered in a shroud and prayed over. And then we come back to uh, Simon's place where Mary is getting better, like her fever's breaking and everything. 
and Jack asks for the keys to let them out of their chains because they like they got let out of the cage, but they're still like got the long chain all manacled. Their legs. Yeah, manacled. There we go. Um, at this point, we go back to Teal, who I've been waiting this whole time for, and I was like, "What is it gonna happen?" So of course, Teal resurrects, and everyone Aww. runs away screaming. Uh, and okay. SG-1 comes and finds him. Supposedly, according to the trivia, one of the screaming villagers is Deloise, but I could not see him. I looked a lot <laughs> for him, and I could not find him at any point during the episode. This is where I narrowed it down to being the most likely place that it happened, but I don't know where it was. So Here's the thing. Maybe he was just a voice? I mean, yeah, it doesn't say. It just says Screaming Villager. It just says, The Screaming Villager is played by director Peter Deloise. There was a lot of just, like, ADR of, of people screaming fear. I feel like it's probably one of those. It's kind of like how, um, in Point of View, he was just a voice. Because he wasn't actually, like, he was the guy questioning uh, Badwig, but you didn't see him. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, no, I could try. I believe that it was he was just one of the, the villagers screaming, but not actually running away. Fun fact, though, the cut that Jack gets in his eyebrow in this episode was actually- It's one that he's already had a scar there, and they just keep giving him cuts there. No, actually. He doesn't actually have a scar there. It was actually on purpose. Uh, Richard Dean Anderson and the makeup artist agreed that the scar should be one of O'Neill's defining features, and from all- for all subsequent episodes that he's in of the show, he has the scar. Oh, cool. It's actually makeup they apply on purpose from now on. And I, I know in uh, later bits they'll have, like, jokes about it, too. Yeah, so it's cool shit. I always thought it was a real scar, too, but, yeah. I figured he, like, I figured it was, like, Mark Hamill, for example. Um, like, because he was in a car accident between episode four and episode five of Star Wars. So they had to, that's why he gets beat up um, <laughs> in the first scene on on the planet, you know? That's why the ice, the ice monster smacks him in the face. It's, it's to address the fact that his face looked a little different after reconstructive surgery. Dang. Yeah, so I always figured it was something like that, where they were just writing it in. Or like uh, James Marsters had a real scar through his eyebrow, for, and then for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, for Spike, they just shaved down the eyebrow a little bit to let, him, to let it show. He had a, it was, uh, I think he got cut by a bottle during a bar fight or something, if I remember it right. I'd believe that for him. I'd 100% buy that for him. I knew there was some sort of trivia with Jack's um, scar, because I, I knew that, like, they start making a point. This isn't, I don't even think this is the first episode they gave him a cut there. Don't know about that part, but yeah. I could have sworn it's already happened before, but. That's the thing is, these are all memories at this point, so I can't keep track of when the memory was memorized. Yeah. I don't, I couldn't tell you what episode it was, but I, I'm pretty sure he's already been cut um, in previous episodes on that eyebrow, but. I mean, totally eyebrow right. is a good place to cut for dramatic purposes yeah. in shows. Oh, yeah, it's a very showy thing. Yeah. It's good. It's like Scar, for example. Mm-hmm. And it's a good look for him, too. Oh, yeah, it's very rugged. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I do like this part where as Teal walks up to them, Daniel, like, crouches down and goes, Let's go, Junior! <laughs> and, like, yells it at Teal's abdomen. <laughs> Man, when I was a kid, for years... Way to go, Junior! was, like, the only thing I remembered about this episode. It's the most important part of this episode, let's be real. <laughs> so, Sam, um, says that the larva filtered oxygen in the water to help keep him alive. Which, I'm willing to buy, because we already had have 
We already have had an episode where they had the whole thing about, like, the amniotic fluid and larva and all that kind of stuff. You remember that episode, right? Yeah, I just don't like the- <laughs> The one with the bullshit with the fake, uh, electricity thing. Yeah. I'm willing to buy it. <laughs> I, I, I am, I am, I am, I am not. Unless so, I'm just not, I'm just not willing to get into the hows and whys of how the fuck- this thing would diffuse enough oxygen into the bloodstream to keep Teal'c alive. I also don't care enough to be like, yeah, whatever, because exactly. it's well, like, fuck this. Yeah, well, she says that, and then Teal'c also says that he put himself in, a, like, a hypnotic calendar That's That was the point where I finally went, sure, fine, whatever. <laughs> Yeah. That was what I literally, I was in the process of going, I don't think I care enough, and then he said that, and when I definitely, and, and that, right. he said that, and then I went, yep, no, I, I definitely don't care enough. But yeah, so... The canon, of course, comes out and says that this is proof that they're evil, despite the fact that Teal passed his test and he said that, like, you know, you were innocent, blah, 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 blah now. But you passed your test, motherfucker. And also, I'm not pointing out, didn't Jesus come back to yeah, life? No, list, literally, one of my later notes, I don't, it's like, oh, it's like three, three lines down, I go, love how these Christians don't realize a resurrection is a better indication of holiness than evil. Uh, I was like, shouldn't y'all just be creating your new easter instead exactly i was that i mean ultimately it's because the canon could would see this as a threat to his power really right but they don't even uh, like say anything yeah like not even like simon goes isn't this an indication that he's good that he got brought back by our god or anything i was just like somebody somebody what about fucking jesus Right, besides, like, didn't a bunch of nuns just spend a Teal, whole bunch of time new, anointing him and shit? Testament. Yeah, exactly! Teal, you read the New Testament? Bring up Jesus to these motherfuckers. <laughs> but yeah, me of all people being frustrated with these people and being like, what, why are you not realizing that resurrection is a good sign here? <laughs> I was so frustrated. Uh, so, this is the part where Jack is a wild hypocrite. Where Jack says, next time Daniel gets the urge to help someone, shoot, shoot him. him. Never mind that the first half of this episode, you were the one saying to help people this whole time, Jack. Also, there's a decent chance if Daniel hadn't insisted on sticking around to, to save Mary, that they wouldn't have been in town when Teal'c resurrected. <laughs> like, it's a good line, Jack, but it's a bad line, too. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so they all get chained up to the post where they originally found Mary, and then Mary gets brought out and added to, uh, their party, because, I mean, the Unas did say they need five. Yep, because fuck that. Yeah, um, so it's next morning, and Simon is lurking in a door unhelpfully. <laughs> so that's- Just staring at them. That's, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, and then the Unas shows up, unties them from the post- and Jack asks how long he's gonna keep up the act. And this is where he figures out that they're like not from this world and everything. Um, but he's just kind of like, all right, you know, he's got them all chained up to one chain. He's got the lead, and he's leading him out of town. Um, and this is the so they're walking uh, out and they're walking along, and they wind up walking right next to a semi steep hill. Mm-hmm. And Jack looks back at the rest of the team. And they all have telepathy because they all understand immediately what the plan is. And Dude, Daniel I love the seamless silent communication. That's awesome. It's great. That's no, terrific. I appreciate it. No, I they've been they've been a team for three years. I one hundred percent buy that Jack would just have to look back at them and they'd know this is what they're doing. Yeah. And I also appreciate that like Daniel, uh, who's tied next to Mary, 
is like, well, she's not on our team. She doesn't know what we're planning. So he just quietly tells her, we're about to take a tumble. Just, like, curl yourself up tightly and, you know, <laughs> be careful. <laughs> yep. Um, and so they all throw themselves over the, the hill and yank their chain out of uh, the Unasa's grip, which five adult bodies Will do. all going down a hill. Especially when he's not Doesn't prepared for it. matter how strong you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because to be fair, he's also holding it in a semi-slack grip because he's not yeah. anticipating them fighting fighting back he's used to meek villagers mm-hmm. yeah so they all wrench themselves free and run away into the woods and simon at this point back in town has confronted the cannon and this is the part where like this guy is like eating while he's talking to simon and he's got like this just opulent scumbag air to him that's <laughs> oh <Ugh>, yeah <God. laughs> like i said it's, it's very denethor feeling mm-hmm so in the woods, the Unas catches up with the team, and um, just in time for Simon to arrive with all their gear, and Jack has to keep yelling at Simon to shoot at the Unas, um, which good thing, Zach, uh, that the staff weapons aren't like complicated to figure out, I guess. Um, and he shoots the Unas three times, and it keeps approaching, uh, and like you know, wrenches it free from him and everything. And uh, at this point, Simon runs off. The Unas takes the end of the chain that he's been carrying and, like, embeds it into a tree. And the staff is on the ground, and he chases after Simon. And so the team all stretch out, like, really far and get Mary to grab the staff. And, like, there's this whole thing where it's it's just a little too far. She's got to, like, really, you know, that whole thing. That whole cliche. Yeah, it's in everything. <laughs> Um, so basically there's, like, this cut between them trying to get the staff and Simon running away from the Unas in the woods. Um, they get the staff back, uh, Teal'c uses it to free them all from their chains, and Jack sends Daniel, Sam, and Mary back to the gate while he and Teal'c go to, you know, save Simon and deal with the- finish off the Unas and everything. Uh, meanwhile, the Unas has cornered Simon with the cannon, because he ran into the cannon in the woods. Naturally. And despite this cannon being a scumbag, he still, like, stands in front of him to, like, shield him from the Unas. Supposed to show how, uh, good he is. How, yeah. the contrast. It's, it's time for the contrast scene. It's a well-framed scene. It's really good. Because it's not like, they don't, like, throw it in your face, but just, like, in the body language, he, like, just steps in front of the cannon and spreads his arms wide, you know? Also, to be fair, he's the guy who seems to know how to bring down the fury of God, so it would it would serve to keep him alive. Yeah. So, um, he gets smacked aside by the Unas, and then we see it start to approach the cannon, and then we cut away, and we hear, like, the cannon yelling. You know, like, terror yelling super, or whatever. Super dramatic terror yelling. Yeah. Uh, and then we get Jack and Teal catch up with all of them, and... Simon's on the ground unconscious. He's not dead. He just got knocked out for a little bit. He got bitch slapped. Um, the Unas is also on the ground, but dead. Um, and he looks like, yeah, died from its wounds. They were too great. Uh, That's some good and, timing. Yeah, I know. This is definitely a huge convenience moment. But the canon is like talking about how Simon stood before the Unas like David before Goliath and it fell. <laughs> this is the part, so I definitely don't remember this episode, probably because I hated it even back when I watched it originally, because I didn't like the Christianity thing. So I didn't know for sure, but I was like, Goliath definitely jumped into the canon. <laughs> like, 
I think actually, like, the way... I think Peter Delavise does a good job of, like, if you're paying attention, it's very obvious what happened. But there's... It's not like they made us watch it happen, you know? So there's still, like, this little air of semi-mystery. But if you're a viewer paying attention at home, you know what's happened already. Yeah. (laughs) But... But the SG-1 does not know yet what's happened. Uh, Jack gets the ring from the cannon and uh, tells them all to bury the gate after they leave. Mary and Simon reunite at the gate and thankfully, like, he, t- Jack tells Sam to start dialing and she puts in the first one and then pauses and I'm like, thank fucking God, Sam. <laughs> I was like, please, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> and she does her Joel and her thing and senses that the larva is in the cannon. Um, and when they confront him about that, he he tries for, like, a second to pretend like he's not possessed. <laughs> but then he's like, eh, the jig's up. <laughs> and, like, his eyes glow and he starts to approach them. But, hey, here's a get- here's a little surprise. Uh, human hosts are not as sturdy as Una's hosts. <laughs> that is a true And Jack statement. shoots him a couple of times with a handgun and he goes down. Uh, I feel like they definitely should have, like, as as unsavory as it would have been to see, they, they definitely should have, like, done a headshot afterwards, <laughs> but... Yeah, I'm okay with them not. I understand what you're saying, but I'm okay with them not. Yeah, like, I get why the, showing that would be kind of rough, but it's like, it, it jumped from the Unas to, to the canon earlier. It could... Like, the human body went down, but there's nothing saying that the gold larva's harmed yet. You should probably do something about that. But it's fine. It's dead. It's gone. We're done. (laughs) Yeah, so that's that's the one thing where I'm like, you really should have done a headshot. But I understand why they didn't. I get it. (laughs) So, Simon prays over the dying cannon. SG-1 dials home. And, uh, my last note is they kind of oversimplified the idea of the town just going along with Simon on bearing the gate. Right? Because <laughs> everything with the cannon and the Unas happened out of town. So they're just going to have to take Simon's word for it. When for this whole episode he's been against the cannon and been yelled at by the cannon publicly in town. So the only way this plan works is if we're right and Simon does have a really good standing in the town that the cannon couldn't quite stamp out. Yeah, I would have really appreciated one extra scene. Not even a throwaway line, but not not a throwaway line. I would have appreciated an a extra scene, scene yeah. that just provided a bit more backstory, substance, something there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, it's, I, I agree with you 100%. That's, that's, uh, that's the weakest part of yeah. this episode mechanically, honestly. Yeah, it's got some structural so- errors. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Gaps. Um, but he's gonna have... 25-ish more episodes to go. Oh, I was gonna say he's gonna have a whole series to get better at these structural issues exactly. before he comes back. Because he's not in SG-1 again, yeah. but he will be back for SGA and SGU as well. Yep. Yeah, so... And you said that you uh, liked his episodes a uh, lot. I'm pretty so. dang sure I do. The fact that he's written that many episodes and his name was extremely um, like familiar. When I saw it come up on the screen, I was like, oh shit, yeah, I know you. Um, and that just, I don't know, I feel like I would have started connecting the dots at a certain point if he sucked. But I have missed these things before, so we will find out. Yeah, I guess we will. Uh, but that is the end of this episode. 
I'm not surprised it only took us an hour and a half, honestly, man. Closer to an hour because we didn't yeah. get started until like ten minutes in. I took a break in the middle to tell you about Pokemon. Yeah. Probably closer to an hour. <laughs> Dude, this episode wasn't terrible, but yeah, I just don't have a lot to say on it. Listen, ultimately, neither of us are excited about the subject. That's that's an understatement. For, for, for kind of the same reason, but it's funny because we come at it from totally different sides, but kind of meet in the middle with the same thoughts. <laughs> but also, it's just not a complex episode. It's very straightforward. But yeah, that is it. That is it. Um, so here's another one where we get to talk uh, about technicalities here. On the death tally. Dilk died. Alright, yeah. That's fair. I was I was leaning towards that as well. But I'm never going to assume. I'm always going to ask. You can call this. that deep state of Kelnorim all you want. I call that death. <laughs> I call that temporary yeah. death. Like, like Jesus apparently proved death is but a but a temporary state. Reality is a construct. So... So was Jesus a Jaffa and Kelnorim? Uh, so... Are you a Jack or are you a Daniel? I am a Daniel in this episode. I too would not be leaving. I would in fact be doing something about somebody drilling a hole in somebody's brain. Skull. Into their brain most likely on accident. Yeah, there's almost no chance they completely miss the brain. Surgeons do this today better. Yeah. (laughs) Smarter. Accurately to relieve pressure. pressure. Yeah, yeah. Right? Intracranial yeah. pressure is a thing, and you gotta relieve it somehow. Otherwise, the brain, because if the brain swells, it has nowhere to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you, you don't want you know spilling out of the hole, but you gotta let the pressure ha- you know dissipate sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so you gotta take. Sometimes they take off. If I'm remembering, if I'm if I am at all correct here, sometimes these little tiny holes are drilled in to relieve like tiny amounts of like pressure build up like or blood or some shit sometimes i think i don't know um because i got no blood can't be on the brain so if it gets on there you want it off and then i know of the the other practice where you actually take off like an entire segment of the skull like where they actually yeah, have I to like freeze it yeah yeah they, they don't just like put it off to the side they have to actually go freeze it because otherwise it'll die in the process because uh, it has to be off for so long and that's so that they don't make a hole that, like, the brain tries to swell out of and then the brain will, like, you know, fragment itself, basically, because mm-hmm. the brain's really fucking squishy. When you see brains that people are holding, that's because it's been dipped in this fixer shit for so long yeah. that it can solidify enough to be held. It's usually made out of the stuff that looks like it's solid but turns to goo in your hands. <laughs> um, <laughs> so if it, you know gets pushed out a hole it's not going back in the same shape <laughs> so they take off a whole section of skull instead so it has somewhere you know to breathe so to speak yeah. um and then very lightly bandage it very lightly bandage it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. i cannot emphasize that care heavily enough just like like that thing where you're like gentle petting like a broken bone where it's sticking out of someone's <laughs> shin and you're just like okay i'm just gonna leave that there <laughs> you know it's that kind of thing where i'm just gonna put this gauze very carefully on your exposed brain <laughs> um but yeah so this is the thing people do today so it is, a, yeah. it is a real thing, and it does actually have a benefit. And I'm sure people back then were doing it repeatedly for a reason, as in occasionally it probably quote-unquote quote yeah. helped. I'm sure every okay, now yeah. and then someone was actually suffering from something that could be relieved by pressure. I, I sure. The math could or could not back me up on that. I could see it going either way. right twice. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I could see it going that way. I could also see it being wildly not, not, the, not, the, not the case. It, yeah. and, it, and it really just being a case of if you drill enough brains, enough people will become 
you know, controllable enough or whatever, or amiable enough, uh-huh. there we go, amiable enough that you don't, you know, that you keep doing it. Um, I don't know. So while I do understand it's real life practice, and would even agree with it in today's standards. With the modern standards, yeah. I, uh, I, I too would be against what looks like a rusty piece of shit of a hand yeah. crank uh, being used to drill into some poor girl's head. You know, I just, I feel like that's just not something I'd be down with. I feel like I can say this about myself accurately. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm a Daniel for I think once. I'm going to have to go with Daniel as well. Cool. Uh, <laughs> partly because I, I have of the very beginning of this episode where I was like, Mood Daniel, I too do not understand what Jack's reference is about. <laughs> like the face he makes when Jack makes the James Bond reference. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know, Daniel. I can't help you there, buddy. And also, yeah, the uh, no tripping. And also just like the way he's like playing like historian explaining all of these <laughs> Yeah, that'd be me too. Things. That'd be me yeah. too. Like, don't get me wrong, I want I wanted to be Jack in a couple scenes. Like I wanted to be his level of just like disgruntled wet cat, I think is one way you put it you put it yeah, once. That's fair. Wet cat grumpy um and like when he gets locked up, because I love that reaction every time. But that straw thing was just so nasty. Yeah, that's another word. It's like, no thank you, Jack. Like it looked yeah, clean, also, but when Sam like woke up and whole... it faced down, I was like, Ugh. Like the bugs alone that uh-huh. must be in that. These t- like the tiny mites and shit. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Like my skin is crawling just thinking about it. There's this book you should read. I think it's called The Scorpion King. And there's a scene where this kid is I haven't Yeah, this kid is kept in a pen of of chicken litter for a while like basically just glorifies sawdust and every time i think about that scene i always i always freak out thinking about how scratchy and itchy and shitty that must be Mm. and this makes me feel like that too waking up on that bed of medieval level era straw i did like uh, i also did appreciate jack's irreverence to uh him not reading the bible but there was also an element of where he kind of seemed like he felt a little not challenged but like ugh, i can't think of the right word but where he was a little embarrassed that like teal of all people have read the bible and he hasn't so i enjoyed that bit the fact that daniel approaches this whole thing more as a historian than uh a religious angle sounds like daniel to me yeah I'm also here for the non-religious standpoint. Here's the thing. Yes. Uh, Benjamin fucking Franklin, a founding fucking father, stood for separation of church and state. So I am always here for people coming at something from a lack of religion standpoint. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. even somebody with a background in, in you know religious study can appreciate it. You don't have to be anti-religion or atheist or whatever to appreciate the separation. No. So on that note, is this a good... Oh, Joaquin Phoenix. Let's do it that way. That's what we're supposed to do. What's the Joaquin Phoenix on this episode? You know, I will say... I mean, I can't say it's meh, because it's not bad. I just don't like it. I feel... Yeah, I feel like this is one of them where we have to say it is a decent episode. Yeah, it's not bad. It's just not something that we personally enjoy. So I think we have to go good. Because, like, when you take a step back... Especially with the fact that they'd already set up the whole thing where Sokar is, like, equivalent to, like, Satan. And we, uh, the fact that they bring back the Unas is also great, because they've also got, like, a real demon look to them. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's good, <laughs> while we did say that the biggest weakness of this episode was some structural things, the basic, like, the, the foundations of this episode are good. Yeah. 
It's in a subject we don't care for. No. But we can take a step back and like it still. look past that. Yeah, I'm down. So yeah, I think we're going to go with it's a thumbs up for this episode. Yeah. It's just not one we're going to revisit again on our own standing. <laughs> nope. No, no. But that is it for this week. We're going to finish this in two hours. I can't believe it. <laughs> Wild. We're going to see more Christian episodes and we'll do them quicker. <laughs> You'd rather have another six-hour episode than another Christian episode. <laughs> I, just, I just don't know if I'd say that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like whatever middle ground exists between those two, that's where I'm at. Sure. Well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I don't remember the next episode, but the one after that. Mm. But, um. Ominous. Yeah, so that is it for this week. Next week, we will be watching episode nine Rules of engagement. Is that not your middle ground then? <laughs> Yay! I love rules of engagement so much. This episode. Well, that would be why I don't remember this it. This episode's by Kryptonite. It's those kids playing war games. Ew. I don't care for this episode. It's just not. I, I get. I don't. It's not a secondhand embarrassment. I wouldn't describe it as that, but it's it's my step down equivalent of that. I guess. I don't know. It's just I get uncomfortable watching this episode. These episodes, I'm always it's like, oh god, what is this? What am I watching? Why is it happening? Ugh. <laughs> Well, that's going to be next week for us. So just a lot of me going, oh, God, what's happening? I don't know what's happening. Why is it happening? Oh, God, why? Yeah. Cool. But, hey, uh, to give you give you hi- uh, light at the end of the tunnel, the one after that is forever in a day. All right. That'll be fun. I don't know, fun, but... <laughs> It'll be an experience. <laughs> It'll be a good episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so, that, with that being it, if you want to get a hold of us, you can find me on Twitter at itsmelnotless or our podcast Twitter at pointoforiginpc. You can also email us at pointoforigincast at gmail.com or write something on the side of a tissue box and toss it through the nearest wormhole. You can find links to things we talked about during the show in the show notes. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Thanks for joining us on our incursion through the iris. And until next time. <laughs>